Hello everyone and thank you for joining us for this podcast. It's part of a series of short interviews with climate change or environmental justice activists. These podcasts are a collaboration between three young and passionate organisations, Human Rights Pulse, Earth Refuge and E&U for the Climate. Briefly, Human Rights Pulse is a platform dedicated to bringing together practitioners, thinkers and activists in the human rights space. Earth Refuge is the planet's first legal think tank dedicated to climate migrants. E&U for the Climate is an international student-led organisation advocating for sustainability and policy solutions to mitigate the climate crisis. We hope that you find these short interviews insightful. Thank you for listening and please feel free to check out our social media channels to learn more about the environmental justice and human rights field. Thank you. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Earth Refuge's interview with Maura Sperry, the former mayor of Mastic Beach, New York. Um, on today's episode, we're going to be talking about the small coastal towns uh, issue with sea level rising and how that impacts climate migration as a whole. So, um, let me please introduce. Maura. Hi, how are you, James? So nice to be here talking with you. I'm doing very well. How are you doing? Excellent. Well, um, if you wouldn't mind, can you start by giving us a little bit of a description of where you live and, um, and what you do? Okay, so Mastic Beach is on the southernmost part of a peninsula in Long Island, New York on the South Shore. We're a quarter mile from the Atlantic Ocean. We overlook the easternmost part of Fire Island National Park. And we are a very low-lying wetland. And also we are a low-income community as well. Um, how long have you been in Mastic Beach? Uh, we purchased our first house here in 2002, August of 2002. And so you've been there almost 20 years. 20 years, yeah. We, we, my, my partner and I and friends of ours were looking to, um, we were looking to get just places to come in the summertime to hang out with our friends by the water. I, um, my partner and I love, love the ocean, love, love the salt water. So this, this was perfect. Very nice. And, Very and nice. affordable. This is the other part. Probably helps. Um, so over the years, what types of changes have you seen in Mastic Beach um, environmentally? Wow. <laughs> okay. So there's two things. I think we have to say there's there's like pre-Sandy and post-Sandy. Sure. Because that, or and certainly since I've been here, I mean, there have been other, the, the 38 hurricane, you know, along the whole East Coast had a devastating effect. I think Gloria and Bob, like this house, I think they put a second story, the roof came off and either Gloria or Bob. For the most part though, I think uh, Sandy in 2012, besides, uh, I, I'm not sure, maybe 38 was, was pretty devastating. And what was interesting was that it, it, it wasn't even that bad a storm. I mean, in the end, when you look at it, it, it wasn't a hurricane, it didn't have any rain. Um, it just was a surge, a floodwater surge event up here. That's, and we're just incredibly fortunate somehow here that the surge 
was not 12 feet, it was only five feet. And that was devastating because we are an incredibly low-lying wetlands community. Um, my house was higher than all my neighbors and I believe I was five feet above the base flood elevation. Most of my neighbors were at one or two feet. So, you know, when you have five feet, that means they have three feet of water through their house. I was eight inches from having water in my first floor. Um, wow. And luckily, no. But we also have a small cottage that had three feet of water blow through it and destroy it. And how long did those conditions last during the storm? Well, it was, it was pretty intense. It was kind of interesting because I don't know, I was doing something in the house, you know, and we knew the storm was coming and it, it was still sunny. It was still pretty not, not sunny, whatever. It was still nice. It wasn't really raining. It wasn't really whatever. And Nancy, you know, the, the water was flooding. And then Nancy went, holy shit. And I looked out the back window and the water was surrounding my house. And that was, and that was like eight hours before the height of the storm. That's gotta and be that terrifying. Was, it was like, oh shit. <laughs> and so aside from aside from you know these severe effects of, of environmental changes from you know hurricanes and big storms have you over the 20 oh, years or so have you noticed smaller changes in the environment totally so so to start when we first moved here um you know, it's fine. And, and so we, I said like 2000, I think we were in this house because this is not the first house. We had sold, sold that and bought this one. Um, in 2000, you know, three, four, it wasn't bad. In 2008 in October, there were these storms that it was just very rainy. And I think nor'easters and it was hard. It was like 2008. And I just remember all the neighbors were like, oh my God, it hasn't flooded this bad since the perfect storm, which I think was like 17 years before that, right? So in 17 years, they never flooded that bad. After 2008, we flood like that all the time. It was wow. almost like something happened with those storms in 2008 that like unleashed something with the flooding because ever since then, so, you know, 2008, 2011 was... was um, or whatever the one was before, I can't remember the name of it. The one before um, Sandy uh, was was bad, but not that bad. And it was kind of like the one that happened in 2008. Um, but what's happened since Sandy is, um, you know, the, the amount of land loss that's happening here, the amount of degradation of the wetlands that's happening is so is speeded up so fast over the past oh i don't know six years it's it's almost it's like kind of shocking so two or three years ago i had a woman who's a really good photographer and i said can you come and take pictures of the trees i go because the trees are all dying sure. so this this one section of mastic beach on some of the old maps is called the woodlands because it had all these old pine trees, it had maple trees, oak trees, uh, apple trees, just beautiful, you know, this was settled by Italians. So they planted these gorgeous trees. And then we have the William Floyd estate that was, you know, William Floyd's one of the signers of the declaration. So his apple trees, whatever the birds would eat it, they come, they crap, whatever they were doing. So we, we had all these great, beautiful trees. My neighbors had an apple tree. Had a, I have watched over the past six to eight years all the trees die. 
And not only are all the trees dying, they're taking all the trees down because, you know, since Sandy, you see and, and you see them go down and it's all from the roots. So you, the right. trees are right. over and you see these giant like root. They're not even root balls. They're just these giant round root plates almost because what happens is, is the trees can't really get good roots down and now the roots are drowning right and it creates a down. hazard for people i mean during oh. storms it, they topple forget yeah. it it's it is unbelievable like if i could take it to my friend's neighbor ended up ha she bought the house because her and her girlfriend were from She's from Maine and her girlfriend was the Pacific Northwest. And they were like, we love this house. It's got these super tall pine trees all around. And it did. It's like the neighbors had 20 to 30, 40 and 50 foot high, like trees, like they're huge, tall trees and they're beautiful and they sweat. Well, it's almost 20 years later, he's cutting down all the trees because wow. two of them fell in one of the storms and almost took her house out you know, and it's up to him. So he's, he's cutting, he's must've cut down already 20 trees of these trees. So it looks like there's a lot of work to be done in anticipation of, you know, the changing environment. Do you think, uh, do you think a lot of these like storm surges and uh, these changes that we're talking about, they're kind of caused by bigger forces at play, like, like a climate change that we, we hear about in the news? Well, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, yeah. I, I don't know what else they're being caused by. I think they are. And, and um, you know, when you talk about these changes, it, again, it's, it's happening so fast. I don't think anybody's quite gotten a grip on, on how quickly things are happening. And it's funny because I'm watching people buy houses out here and I'm now a realtor. Um, and I'm probably the only honest realtor. <laughs> Say to people, do you want to live in the flood zone? Or do you want to live out of the flood zone? And if you're going to live in the flood zone, it floods a lot, you know? Yeah, and it's important to be transparent. Uh, but it's amazing how many of the realtors aren't. I had someone went to an open house and they said, well, what's the base flood elevation? Oh, what's that? <laughs> you know, which is a lie. Right, right. It's like, well, was there damage during Sandy? Oh, I don't know. I mean, you know, these are just liars. It's like, yeah, no, there was three feet through this house and they renovated it. So I think there might be an issue. I don't know if you're aware that that um, the bottom part of the peninsula in 1997, the um, county, Suffolk County, made this a uh, Mastic Beach, uh, the Mastic Shirley Conservation Area. Because I can show you, I have a stack and I, I bring it when I go to some of these meetings of these reports starting from 1985 and they've been done by the state the town the county the fed and every single report says it would be a good idea to get people to move out of mastic beach it would be a good idea to do uh developmental rights transfers in mastic beach wow we wow. should be concentrating on trying to get people to not live down here in Master Beach. I can show you literally 30 years of studies where each study, when they mention Mastic Beach, is like people shouldn't live down there. So they what do you think um, has caused some of the reluctance behind getting people to to move out? Well, who's 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 buying us all out? <laughs> who's, who's paying me? Who's paying me for my house so I can move out and you're going to tear it down? So Sandy actually presented a fantastic opportunity where um, 
the Nature Conservancy and the town of Brookhaven worked together to, um, I believe the state actually gave them the homes and then they paid to, to um, take them down, to, to raise them and, um, you know, put it back to, to nature. They started transition them into like conservation land. Correct, because so a couple of things have happened that have been pretty good. So originally with New York Rising, the program was a um, buyout slash acquisition. And I was, I was mayor, I think at this point, I'm not sure if I, I was trustee first and then mayor. But what happened was I'm driving around and all of a sudden I see all of these for sale signs on uh, auction for sale by auction signs on all the rising houses that rising bought from people. And it was supposed to be in our conservation area where they bought the homes. They could not resell them. They were to be taken down to be left forever wild. So I saw that sign and I immediately called up the woman who was in charge of the program with rising. And I said, what are you doing? I said, you can't auction off these homes. I said, this is, these are supposed to go back to nature. We're a conservation area, you know, and I made my pitch and whatever. So it ended up that they, they, and she said to me, she said, don't tell anyone we're doing this, which is kind of wild. Like, oh, wow. But she said, so, well, because they want, they wanted to sell the homes and get their money back to buy more of them, you know? Right. So they ended up uh, not auctioning any of the homes in Mastic Beach. They ended up working with the town and the Nature Conservancy to tear them all down. And uh, I would, I mean, I don't have, but I'm going to say at least 50, if not more homes were, were bought out and then uh, brought back to nature. Wow. That's sounds like a, a pretty good number. Um, it is. It, it's, it, so it seems like there's a, a clear, you know, environmental threat, uh, rising sea levels, um, you know, intense storm surges causing flooding and other, um, you know, uh, destruction to you know local property um don't don't forget the destruction to our bays from all of our piss and shit <laughs> uh, so, so there's also Let me be incredibly issues. clear about this long island are kind of morons when it came to planning because they figured it was a good idea to build all these houses on single and separate septic systems that's going into basically kitty litter you know, I mean, Long Island's a sandbox, right? We're just a giant sandbox. So everything just percolates right through into the aquifer, into the bay, into the watershed. You know, there's nothing holding back our nitrates and our effluents, just nothing. It just, it all goes right into it. So um, do you, do you think, um, it seems like there might be somewhat of like neglect over the years. Do you think that has anything to do with maybe, um, the socioeconomic kind of image of, of Mastic? No, it's all of Long Island. They have, there's 360,000 single and separate septic units in Suffolk County. That's more than the entire state of New Jersey. Wow. Right. And a kitty litter box that has one aquifer that it all goes into or it goes into the bay. So a couple cute little facts I can give you about that, which is, I think it was like 50 years ago now, um, the Great South Bay right here produced 50% of the shellfish for the United States, 50%. We now provide 
Can you see that? That's a big zero. <laughs> wow. We now provide none. Wow. When I when I moved here, so I, I built a stick dock and I was fishing. It was when I first moved here. And I'm like, oh, I'm gonna catch me some fish. And I go off and and I bring up just a crap ton of eel grass. And I'm like, oh. I throw it out again. I think at one point I might have actually caught an eel. And I was like, well, this is no fun. This eel grass sucks. Well, guess what? We don't have one bit of anymore. And I and this is from 19, this is from 2004. So you're talking in 16 years. And actually it was gone within 12 years. This was this whole cove was eelgrass. There's none left. None. If you look at maps of the Great South Bay and and 20 years ago, how much eelgrass there was, and now you look at it, there's none. You know, eelgrass is that's why we have no more scallops. That's why we have no more oysters. That's why, you know, we don't, we have no more shellfish because we've killed it all. And we've killed it all, not just from our sewers, the idiocy of lawns. And thirdly, our storm drains, which all just go right into the bay. It's like, uh, you want to talk about poor uh, municipal and uh, public works planning. This would, should be a case study. To me, it's like Long Island should be a case study. So like, aside so aside from environmental threats and issues you guys are dealing with, um, you have just maybe poor planning and management that's contributing to these uh, problems of, you know, degraded nature. And it's almost like a, a, just a bad cycle. It is problems. a bad so, cycle. So has, you know, are these issues or threats big enough to cause, um, you know, permanent displacement or short-term displacement for people? Do you know anyone that's you know, really decided to up and move or you're, oh, you're many. still there, you know? Oh yeah. But, but many, many people have up and moved many, many. I mean, look at, you have all, first of all, you have almost 50 or 60 people who took the buyout and said, take my house. <laughs> I'm good. That's I'm the done. Buyout right around Superstorm stand. That was around Sandy. And so it, so I, I elevated this house two years ago and we had elevated our cottage the year before. So we went and we, we moved into the cottage and there's a woman who lives around the corner and she would walk by and she's like oh hey mayor how's it going i'd be like hey um <laughs> but she goes, listen is is that buyout program still available you know this is six years after sandy seven years after sandy and uh i'm like no but there's going to be some other buyout programs coming up and you know so she goes yeah i this because the in six years all the people who didn't want to take buyouts in sandy six years ago I'd say at least 30, 40%, if not more, are like, give me a buyout now because they see how, how the flooding has progressed in Sandy. It's, it's really, I keep a flood log um, just for the hell of it. And, and, and I basically only list when it kind of goes past my house. I, I'll kind of list when it goes past my neighbor's driveway across the street, but um, which shows you how often it floods, right? I mean, I'm quite used to the water going past my driveway. Wow. And we, um, you know, you, you, I have probably three or four different levels of boots. <laughs> you know, ones that are short, and then I have full waders, right? And so, and you'll need all of those. You'll need sometimes the short of it. But um, in the time I've been here, I've been able to probably use a canoe or kayak on my street. Wow. Probably four or five times. That's crazy. Times. Yeah, no, and it's not. It's not getting better. I mean, it, it is. It is literal. You, 
So there's a beach over here on the left called Jefferson, which has acres of um, wetlands and had beautiful spirelia grass and stuff. Within the past three to four years, it was a completely solid ground wetland. It's almost, it's got huge chunks of water in it now, like just huge big ponds. And, you know, like you can see that the water is inundating and chewing up the land and you know i mean that's what it does it's it's you can you can see so clearly because we don't have development by our waterfront it's really obvious with the nature yeah. Yeah. what's going yeah. on you can just see it you can you can see it with the trees you can see it with the the wetlands being chewed up i mean you can just really see where the flooding is coming in um and and so as and people kind of anticipate more of those problems and you said some have you know left for good and they participated in the buyout program correct do you foresee any like consequences of of a movement of like people or communities like the more people that leave mastic beach what does that do to mastic beach itself or you know what kind of pressures might you think it has on na uh, neighboring communities um it's not there yet i see what you're saying but it's it won't be there for at least another 10 or 15 years probably about 10 years Right now, the houses are all, for the most, you know, except for the ones that kind of are super low, the houses are currently viable until there's another five-foot surge, which will get rid of the other houses that didn't get elevated. Um, and, and you know, there's there's this whole political thing that happened, right? So they, they created this village to be able to build more and develop more on the waterfront. Like their thing was, oh, we're gonna put up these million dollar homes and shit. It was like, nobody's ever gonna let you do that. <laughs> but you couldn't tell them that, right? They're like, well, we're gonna make our own government. They can't tell us that we can't do it. And it's like, well, actually they can, but whatever. So, um, you know, there's this, there's still this push with people who are like, we need to bulkhead. We need to harden our, and it's like, yeah, no, nobody's going to do that. <laughs> like, first of all, you need to understand that your soft structures and your soft shoreline is actually what protected you. Like, they don't get that, right? Yeah. <laughs> it's yeah. like, we have an 800 acre estate called the William Floyd Estate, which is east of us, which is 800 acres of wetlands. And it basically buffers the whole eastern side of the peninsula. And if you, if you look at a map and you'll see it, the William Floyd Estate, you, you just have to look at the fact that the surge just went from east to west. And you see that those wetlands protected probably another, I think five to 700 homes got damaged from the flood water, right? This probably protected another 2,000 homes or 1,500. Wow. If you look at, just look at a map, James, you'll see that huge 800 acres. I mean, it literally buffered. And when you see the wave action hit wetlands, you see how they just boom and they, they, they just die. Then, so, right. Yeah. So it, it sounds like the, conservation of wetlands and other you know buffer zones help mm -hmm. dramatically dramatically against, against the, these climate change threats um have has the community and like individuals like yourself uh, done anything to build resiliency like you've been lifting you know your your foundation a little higher each year or or whatnot have no, it's just in one one fell swoop they come in and lift your house up <laughs> oh, okay i went i went from four feet to 14 feet wow in my other house i went up 10 feet 
So yeah, no, this, you lift your house up. So is there anything else the community is doing as a whole to kind of build resiliency? Yes. Uh, one of the things that I, that was very interesting after Sandy and, and, and I was, I was pretty involved in, uh, with, I, I was, we have a civic association, the Mass Beach Property Owners Association, which, like I said, had all the land and the marinas and one of the, so I was a director on there. So I was pretty involved in the New York Rising program when they came in. And um, one of the things, there was another thing called uh, Build build by Design, I forget what it was, another program that for some reason we weren't included in, which pissed me off. I was like, why not? We're And, and here was my my main objection was you guys want to spend hundreds of millions of dollars building wetlands, right? Like building up wetlands to protect places. I'm like, we have that already. We just need your help restoring them. Like we just need your help kind of restoring back the wetlands that are getting eaten away. You want to actually like build new wetlands. We don't even need that. We just need your help restoring the wetlands that are here. Like if we could get them to do that, one of the things that I really think has to happen over time is they start have to start thinking about access routes that they're not thinking about. And this is something as mayor I thought about all the time and I used to talk with the fire department guys and stuff is like, you have to start figuring out how you're gonna get people out of here when it floods all the time. Like you, I feel like they need to, they could easily make routes, right? That people, you can make certain roads higher that would allow people the opportunity to leave. So over where our cottage is, the road by my cottage is the only road that something like six different homes can only get out going down my road when it floods to a certain amount. And I feel like, okay, so then you should make my road, Lincoln Drive, the, the you know, the access point for, for exiting when it starts to flood too much and you got to get the hell out of there. Seems that, like a doable thing too within the correct. I mean, just to raise right. ro- like one, you know, stream of roads. Correct. Yeah. Correct. And then, and but you know, like at this point in New York State, especially, <laughs> governments have no money for anything. They have no money for any of this. They they can bear. They don't even maintain the roads that are here now. So, you know, that's the big problem, right? There's no. There's there's especially after the past four years, there's no funding for any of this. And one of the things that I am incredibly um, flummoxed about and disappointed about is that New York State doesn't have a buyout program. I mean, it's crazy. I I sat on a panel about four or five years ago um, on on buyouts and New Jersey has this really active, really robust buyout. Like they have a buyout program that is constantly funded is an existing program. It is always going on. New York had rising. That's over and we have no other buyout programs. So it's kind of like, um, and it's a shame because the homes around here were going for 60, $70,000. I mean, they were dirt cheap. There was no 150,000. You could have bought up so many homes. But there was no, there was no program. There was no buddy so doing it. It sounds like the, the governments play a huge role in, in huge. you know, helping alleviate these issues. And uh, are there like, especially through these buyout programs, um, is there anyone else or any other groups that you feel might, you know, be responsible for taking action to help anticipate the problems and also deal with uh, issues of, of people needing to move? 
funny you should mention that, James. <laughs> so I've actually been kind of working on this for a couple of years. Uh, and actually last year, right before in March, right before the shutdown, uh, I had been speaking with, with uh, Allison Bronco from the Nature Conservancy. Uh, what I really want to do here is create what is, uh, the Mastic Beach Conservancy, which would be kind of modeled after the Central Park Conservancy, uh, where it would be a nonprofit that would be concentrating on fixing up our waterfront and making our publicly accessible access accessible because right now the town has not taken care of the roads and you can't even really walk or ride a bike and it's it's crazy so um you know and, and we'll be picking up garbage because people come down and dump trash and you know it's not like our waterfront is fixed up and beautiful it's just beautiful because it's kind of beautiful but it's not fixed up and beautiful like it should have a boardwalk you know it should be fixed up but it's just beautiful and you can access it it's not like everywhere else on long island you drive if you go to the water you can drive down to the end of the road and it's all private homes and private homes on it and the only access to the water is at the end of the street and there's no parking there right you're not allowed to park down there so there's really no access to the water anywhere this is the only place where you have six miles of access to the water and it's mostly contiguous so like if the roads work, you could have a six mile jogging, running, birding, biking. We have fabulous kayaking, like the kayaking is awesome. So we, we have the opportunity to put in these green trails and these blue trails and there are government programs for trails and there's all this stuff we could do. And, and when I was mayor, we did this $70,000 comprehensive plan I got grants for. Uh, it, you should look at it if you want. It's called, if you go on Vision Long Island, the Mastic Beach Comprehensive Plan, it's a fabulous plan because the whole plan ties our downtown development to our blue and green trail waterfront. Like this place is a gem just waiting for to be developed. Uh, if we look at, at the principles of, of Frederick Law Olmsted, we have the opportunity to make this public waterfront park that, you know, especially in a low income community that would be accessible to everybody so sounds like there's grew, a lot of potential behind the project oh my god it's got so so if you look at the comprehensive places so the 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 mastic beach conservancy is going to be a group of like-minded people who want to conserve the waterfront and don't want to bulkhead it and build it up and who want to work with the different municipalities getting grants to get boardwalks and to try and fix it up like uh, frederick law olmstead park i mean i grew up in Larchmont, New York, which is a pretty affluent um, bedroom community of Manhattan on Long Island Sound. And there is a 13 acre park, Larchmont Manor Park on the waterfront that is spectacular. You know, I mean, as a kid growing up, anybody who grew up in Larchmont, um, you know, talks about Larchmont Manor Park. It's, it, you, you, that is one of your main things growing up there that you do is you go hang out at Larchmont Manor Park because it's gorgeous. I mean, Olmsted designed this park and it's gorgeous. And, uh, you know, what they find and what he found and what really makes a fabulous community is being able to access nature, right? Yeah. I mean, that was Olmsted's whole thing is like, people need nature to, to, to soothe their souls. People need nature to, to make them creative. People need nature. You need to be able to get out into nature. and we have an opportunity to give people such a beautiful place to be in nature. So, you know, one of my main focuses is to try and, and create a beautiful interactive 
waterfront parkland that, you know, I'm hoping we can also use it to let people know about the, the benefit of wetlands. <laughs> you know? yeah, that's, They're that's, not swamps. You know what I'm saying? They're not just swamps, people. They're like these incredible biodiverse breeding grounds for everything, you know, like everything you like and enjoy is coming out of your stinky swampy wetland. So, um, you know, I just think it's an opportunity. And, and I have a Zoom meeting next Wednesday with like 22 people um, for the for the exploratory committee wow. for this. Well, I wish you the best of luck with that. Yeah, that, no, I think that's project. It's it's kind of cool because I've got a lot of people who bought places from the city who are very, very highly and, and they're also younger. They're in their 40s. So that <laughs> I'm like, good. You guys got to start working on this. I'm getting tired. <laughs> I came in a, in my 40s doing this, and it's been about 16 years. So sure. So as a as a resident of Mastic Beach, um, and someone who's kind of seen these issues play out over the years, and um, you know, do you think Mastic Beach serves as like a little example for other coastal communities, or you know, around the country, around the globe? And are you are you worried about uh, canary well, in the coal mine dude yeah. we are the canary i say it all the time when i used to go up to albany we're the canary in the coal mine figure it out with us because it's coming to you another 20 years from now like you have to figure out where you're we're the perfect experimental breeding ground for what to do with sea level rise right here we're it because when you figure out what to do with us well now you can replicate it because the whole south shore is going to have to deal with what we're dealing with sure Sure. just 20 years down the line. So if you're smart, you'll take your resources and your energy and you'll start to figure out how to deal with it down here because that, and I think a lot of it is, you know, it's going to be, a, you know, it's not going to just be move. 80% of the world's population lives on the water. People want to live on the water. <laughs> there's commerce, there's food, more than anything, there's nature and it's beautiful. People want to live on the water. So I think it's unrealistic to say like, everybody has to move off the waterfront. That's sure. never going to happen. People all want to be by the water. People like me. So what do you do? I've now probably given my house another 30 years by elevating it. Maybe more, maybe 50, you know, but with the understanding that sometimes I have to park my car two blocks up because I know there's wow. a storm coming and I need to go out. Right. So finding uh, the small solutions to kind of build resiliency in the meantime, until hopefully uh, bigger programs come in and, and really kind of bolster up uh, the community. Yeah. How about we also try to do stuff to stop sea level rising and the ice caps from melting? Yeah, <laughs> that might help. How yeah. about we try and stop that? That would be nice. Yeah. Um, well, I've, kind of gone through bulk of my questions is there anything else you'd like to to share just uh you know take a look at that vision long island the the only other thing i'd say is that that um right now our county legislator and um the county we're very here's one other thing that's that's unique is we have a republican run town right but the town supervisor is a unique dude Ed Romaine, who believes in sea level rise, who believes in, in trying to uh, fix the water, who believes that we need septics, you know, new AI septics. Like he's, he's a very green 
um, Republican, which is so unusual. So, and then uh, in the county, we have Steve Ballone, who is the county executive, is also one of his big things is water issues. His big thing is getting sewering. And so Mastic Beach actually um, is getting a sewer treatment plant. And hopefully that won't be coming down to us, of course, which is so ridiculous because they're going to do the people up by the plant first and work their way down to us, even though we need it more than anybody and we're doing the most damage, but whatever. But the, the capacity is in the plant to be able to, to do the whole peninsula. And the peninsula has like 50,000 people on it, 60,000 people all pissing into the bay, right? Wow. So, so that's huge. And just the, 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 they're expanding, the county is expanding the conservation area down here because they realize the problems with the flooding. So they're, they're making it a bigger area. And what they did uh, basically, because the old, I was very close and she's a good friend of mine, the old legislator. It used to be that when a house came for sale in Mastic Beach in the flood zone, you would call Kate and say, hey, Kate, or they would go through the list of homes that were coming up from auction. So the county takes homes for taxes, right? Any home that they were taking for taxes in Mastic Beach, Kate would bring it before the legislator and say, hey, let's bring this back to nature. We don't, we don't want anyone to buy this. We don't want to auction it off. I thought that was automatically the law in the conservation area that if a house came up for taxes, it automatically went back. It turns out after Kate left, that wasn't the case. And they were starting to auction off these properties. And I'm like, wait, time out. <laughs> and so um, the new legislator, Rudy Sunderman, he got a measure passed that any home in the conservation area that the town, get, I mean, the county gets for taxes will go back to nature. Will wow. be torn down and go back to nature. So, so that's huge. I mean, yeah. there's they're doing stuff. It's just you know, government. What do they say? It's slow and glacial, right? It's like just slow. So yeah, no, that's the that's the other good thing that's going on. Well, on uh, on that note, I mean, I think you've mentioned a lot. I of gave you enough. Mastic Beach has a lot of things to look forward to, and I think oh, uh, yeah. anyone else dealing with these issues or living in coastal communities um, might you know, turn to Mastic Beach and, and look to see what they do in the years to come. And, and hopefully they find solutions that could be applied elsewhere. Yeah, um, I hope so. Just yeah. two, let me tell you two other things real cool. I don't know if you know that we have a huge wind farm going off the coast of Montauk here. I did not. That's very interesting. So, so there's a, it's, it's a giant wind farm and the, the cables actually all go up the William Floyd Parkway, which is right here, <laughs> right behind me over here. So, um, you know, we're doing stuff. We're trying. We're trying. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. Well, yeah, so take a look at those stuff. If you need if you, you need any more information, as you can see, I love talking about Mastic Beach. <laughs> yes. Well, Maura, thank you so much for your time. I really appreciate okay. it. No problem. And thanks so much. And I look forward to see whatever you're working on. Great. Take care. Cool. You too. Take care, man.